Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick, and guess what? You guys are listening to The Jim Bob Show. Hey, this is Wayne Larrabee, and you're listening to Roar on WGN. Hey, this is Jim McMahon, and you're listening to The Jim Bob Show. I had to pop a beer for this one. Hello, boy. Yeah. Hey, this is Brian Urlacher, and you're listening to The Jim Bob Show. That's awesome. Oh, that's then, it. How about one? This is Brian Urlacher. I'm not a bitch. <laughs> no. That's <laughs> about that I mean, that's the whole objective is get there. You know, like a fat kid seeing a plate of cake across the room. You want to you get there and, and dive at it. You is know, that, I mean. Is so, that how we recruit him now? I'm Bill Moss, former Kansas City Chief. And this is the Jim Bob Show. 720 WGN and great stations around the country high atop Chicago in the Skyline studio and Jim Bob on the line with us, one of the acclaimed players, broadcasters, so much greatness there with the Kansas City Chiefs. And let me tell you something. I don't not to make a mystery guess. Number 63, <laughs> first round draft pick out of the University of Pittsburgh. I mean, nose tackle. Hey, when you're a first round pick as a nose tackle, you are you gotta a, bad, be pretty you're, good. You're a badass. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Moss, buddy, long time. He's a pro bowler. He's rookie of the year by the Associated Press, and he was a Fox commentator for about 12 years, and he's my friend, and I'm glad to have you on the show, brother. Guys, glad to be here. Let me ask you a question. It, it, you know, WGN, that's that's big-time stuff, right? You guys are big-time. We don't want to brag about it, Billy, but, you know, we're kind of big, okay? I mean, I mean, we got we got 70% of the United States listening to us right now. 30, yeah, that's, that's, 38 states and Canada at night. 38 states. I've been in Florida and heard WGN on the car radio and then uh, the greater Midwest at all times. Well, and, we, and here's the deal. I mean, we're just cool. <laughs> and that's why we brought you on, because we wanted to be cooler. <laughs> but anyhow, well, that's, hey, uh, that's outstanding. That's 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 great stuff. I mean, they must be hurting for programming. <laughs> how's your uh, How's your health doing? Because Billy and I, everybody knows. Because I've been telling everybody for about five weeks now. Because this this knee replacement deal, number one, it sucks. But number two, they kind of hurt. How's your knee replacement doing now? You're about a year out, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's finally there. It took you know, it took almost all of a year in rehab. I mean, you go to bed at night, and it, it was just this, and you wake up in the morning, it's just ungodly. Pain, yeah, I, right? Boy, I tell you what. Do you, do you have that with your blood flowing in and out? Yeah. You know, the way you lay and stuff? God, yeah. and, and, and throbbing, you wake up in the morning, you're just, when's this going to end? And, you know, it, it, it takes a while on that rehab now, but, you know, lo and behold, I'm, I'm out of it now. I'm out of that side of it, and I feel good, and I'm back to working out, and it feels really good. Good. I've got, uh, I had two old ladies, and I don't only say old because I'm catching them really quickly, but, uh, they got to be like 79 and 80, 81 or whatever. And they had surgery the same day I did. And so we're in rehab together. Okay. We're at therapy. <laughs> and these, these gals are running around. Come on, Jerry. Let's go, Jeff. Let's go. And they're, they're dancing practically. And it just, it just irked to the nth because they recovered so fast. I mean, of course, you know, they've got like a two inch scar for the, for the putting in the knee replacement and all the steel. And I've got like a foot. It's got to be at least a foot scar on my knee. At least. Yeah. I mean, but women just are so much tougher than, I mean, you know, first of all, nose tackle. I mean, that's got to be like the toughest, but that's got to be like the toughest job in the NFL. Is that I wanted one of the things we were going to ask you is that with everything that's, that's going on in the change in the game and so forth, you know, what do you think some of these rules have done? I mean, when you played in the 90s, and by the way, it says, is, is it like fire a, alarm? It's a telemarketing. It's a telemarketing. It's in a boiler room. Exactly. Like Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's exactly. A, it's a telemarketing office. What's Bill up to these days? He's a telemarketer. It's like timeshares and stuff. <laughs> but play, playing those tackle back in, you know, when you played, um, you know, and so forth. How do you think the game and some of the rule changes have affected that position today? I don't know about, you know, how the interior line has, has really been affected by much of anything. I mean, as a pass rusher or somebody trying to get to the quarterback, but those things, I mean, my gosh, you know, when, when you're that big and you're, you're trying to run that hard and fast, 
you just want to get there. I mean, that, the whole objective is get there. You know, like a fat kid seeing a plate of cake across the room. You want to you want to get there and, and dive at it. You is know, that, I mean, is so, that how we recruit them now? Let's put a cake out there. First one to the cake, you're, you're going to be a number yeah. one draft choice. Well, in Rocky, you know, they're chasing chickens. Maybe that is a new coaching technique. <laughs> That's awesome analogy. But, no. uh, but, uh, but uh, then, then they're asking them to kind of change in the middle of that. You can't get a fat guy chasing cake to change in the middle of that. I mean, oh, no, hit the cake low. or it, it, you, only, you can only hit him in the middle. Well, got, how about pie? What if we frosting. got a pie? <laughs> oh, don't hit him in the frosting. <laughs> And then somebody's got a string on the cake or, or the pie, and they're right. pulling it they're right, yeah. in a different direction. That's just not fair. Well, like it's, a, it's like a Patrick Mahomes cake. It's shifty. You don't know where it's going to go. Okay. Oh, my God. The Dane, help me out a little bit here. My God, he's, he's, he, this is a new way we recruit kids now. We just throw some cake with a lot of frosting out there. You go, hey, whichever fat kid gets to it, that kid is who we're, we're going to draft number one. Yeah. He's got a future. It'll be like the Wonderlick test, but they do like, how hungry are you? Yeah. Well, Billy, you and I were we were at the Chiefs Packers game a few years ago, and we were down there, you know, on front row, front and center, and, and they had the fastest team I've ever seen. I mean, and we're sitting there right on the field, and they had Tyreek, and and you know he's blistering yeah. a four one, and I can't remember they had that other wide receiver who's like a four one. McCall Hartman. Hartman. They had two like four one four two guys, and I'm sitting there going. Jeez, and you know, I go, I was pretty fast, but there was no way the quickness. I said I couldn't play, and, and then you go, you. I'm thankful I got out when I did. Look at the size of these summer bucks. I mean, yeah. you really think as far as the involvement of the game today? Uh, give us your thoughts on that. Really, I mean, if you did an evolution thing going back to when professional football started, and and you looked at the sizes of linemen and the specialists and running backs and if you could put that all in a chart from the time professional football started till now and categorize it and look at it, you'd be shocked. Everybody would be shocked. I mean, an offensive tackle was 185 pounds back when it started. Well, none and of those guys in the 30s, 40s, or 50s, or 60s could have played today. <laughs> no, I, I, and, I, and I would contend that a lot of the guys now, you know, that are coming out in the 80s, they, they couldn't play with these guys. I mean, when I first got into the league, if you played against a 300-pound offensive lineman, you knew, like if it said, like if you have your scouting report, it says, you know, 6'3", 305, you're like, oh boy, I got a, I got a powder kick, right? You knew he was going to be fat and soft. And that's just not the case anymore. I mean, it's, you're 6'7", 335, and, you know, all muscle. So all muscle. It, it's completely different. And can move. I mean, and have great feet. Yeah. I mean, man, right. some of these guys. I, I don't know that the public. When you, I've I've seen him. I've seen these guys move in action at practice. I mean, six seven three sixty, and he looks like Fred Astaire. I mean, you know, he's just missing the the cane or the umbrella. <laughs> right. Well, and he protects yeah, the cake, yeah. baby. He this dude. This dude. You know, there's two fat guys going against each other. This guy's big, muscly, I, and I, he's protecting. That cake, I see baby. a new Food Network show here. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the food. Hey, next thing you know, we're going to have Betty Crocker on. We're going to have all kinds of sponsorships out of this. No, so Bill, think about like what is it? Is it just that you're identifying people that are bigger and then they're being motivated and inspired to get into into football? Are the genetics of just the the human species completely different in the last twenty years, or is it is it just the coaching side of it? What's attributing to just this whole difference in the physical? Physical makeup of the players. Yeah, that, you know that's a great question. I mean, I think it's a question for society. Actually, I mean, I don't know when did they start pumping uh, uh, steroids into cows and chickens? You know, we're we're the ones eating them. Yeah. So you're a product of, of what you're eating, and and if you look over the time period that that's all happened, that's when all the food demands became so high that they couldn't keep up. So you had a I, that's my thought. This yeah. theory, anyhow, I don't. I because there's no other explanation of all all of a sudden a growth spurt and these enormous individuals or everybody walking around the street are, are huge or, you know, mm. and, and muscular, the athletes, the training, the technology of training is completely different than it was when, when we played, you know, you had a, it was more about endurance uh, when we played, but the training and understanding of explosive power and how it transcends 
onto the field and how do you, how can you become the, you guys watched the, the documentary, the quarterback, right? It was great. Yeah. Well, what about Patrick Mahomes guy that he brought into training? Is that not unbelievable technology and training? You know, I talked and to, I, I talked to Jeff Christensen, you know, who does throw it deep, you know, he's Mahomes throwing coach. And I asked him about that and he goes, yeah, it works. He goes, you know, and they, they've got him in these different positions and rolling that rollerball over him. He goes, you know, Patrick gets in some weird positions when he's playing and throwing and when he gets hit. Yeah. And we want, they want, we, the reason we're rolling him out with those rollers as he's in those weird positions, if you watch quarterbacks, is that he's going to land and at least his body is going to be somewhat acclimated to that fall. And that, re- yeah. that helps us in the recovery. I, and I go, well, you know, you got Mahomes and you got all these other guys doing their special stuff. I mean, you got guys getting, you know, he's going to the chiropractor twice a week. He's getting a deep tissue massage twice a week. They'll be doing uh, dry needling, all the, all the different things. But today, I mean, these guys are after practice. I mean, they're at the healthcare professional uh, more than they're right. at the field. I mean, you only have 20 right. hours this, these days uh, a week, yeah. you know, so that's a big deal. I mean, 20 hours. God, you were no Billy back in our day. I mean, we hey, if you didn't get it right, back up, do it again. We're three and a half hours in practice. <laughs> yeah, and, and and after practice, you you, you headed to the bar. So, you know, that's... <laughs> well, I mean, and it, it ties into a little bit of this, but for you guys, as opposed to all of this holistic health and mind and body and all that, and just all of that healthcare that's built into it, for you guys, I mean, there were there were trainers. Was it just pain management, like making you guys at least not feel so much pain that you couldn't play? Was that it? Yeah, and, you know, I think of some of that's different, too. I was talking about it last year when, when Patrick Mahomes, you know, got his ankle injury and couldn't walk and all of a sudden he comes back in the AFC championship game and has an unbelievable game and as well as the Super Bowl. And it, it used to be whatever they shot you with to numb the pain. I mean, you literally couldn't feel anything. So running was kind of like when your foot hit the ground, you couldn't, you couldn't feel it hit the ground. So pushing off and all those things were like, it was weird. You know, you, if, you, if you're trying to run and you can't feel the ground, if you can imagine that, your brain's thinking, what? Yeah. How, how do I run? And, and it, it, it's a weird feeling. But, you know, the things they use now and the technology they have and the medicine they have now, yeah, it's a lot different. I mean, a lot more advanced. And yeah. so you're able to cope, cope more with things. I don't know what they're using. I know when we, we got shot up, and I can't remember all the different Novocaines and Canes that they were using. Is that, But I remember those shoulder shots that I would take and – you couldn't feel your shoulder. I mean, you, you know, you get good enough to go out there and you'd, you'd hit somebody. But, man, after the game, when that stuff started wearing off, the burning yeah. sensations, it just – people don't realize it. It's like somebody took a, a hot poker and stuck through wherever you got shot at, whether it was your knee or your arm, your hip, whatever. But, boy, they burnt. I mean, they just – and it took hours for that burning to stop. Hey, you know, as being as great a player as you were and just a ton of respect for, you know, your Pro Bowl seasons and, you know, Know, rookie of the year honor and, and things like that and I know you stay a part of the game and I, this guy right here Bill Moss to me was was one of the the I thought was the best studio anchor game analyst in the business from you know 96 to 2007 and so I know you're staying on the game your thoughts about the Chiefs and that dismal performance with the Lions give us your take on it you know well there's a lot that goes into it you know first of all the mental aspect of it, you know, is it the old question is, is it harder to become the best or is it harder to stay the best? You know, and all off season, you know, Detroit knew who their opener was and they, this is, they want to make a presence and their coaches drilled it in them. And it, 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 it plays, it plays a part of it. There's no doubt it plays a big part of it. The other side of it is too, you know, I, I still think that, you know, the new NFL is September is kind of like August. It, it's kind of like training camp. I mean, because of the restrictions of the collective bargaining agreement and practice, you can't emulate game speed. And I don't care what you say. So if you don't play all your guys or most of your guys, but one series or, or no series in the preseason, you can't emulate it. Like, I, there's no practice that can emulate game speed. It, it just doesn't happen. I don't care what you're talking about. I don't care if it's line play, quarterback play, throwing the football, timing and routes, all catching the football, the speed of the football. All those things are different when it counts. 
because it doesn't count in practice. Oh, I can make a mistake. I'm going to give it a good go, but yeah, it looks yeah, good. But in a game, it, it, there's no margin for error. I mean, it, and everything is that quick. And so if you if you if you don't practice at that speed, you you can't p- just go out there and play at that speed. And I I think that accounted for a lot of Tony's drops, a lot of the miscommunication, a lot of the confusion and in, in route running and things of that nature. But you can't make excuses. I mean, it is what it is. You lost the game, so. They've got, to, they've got to pull it together and, and get back on track quickly. Do you look at the expectations and just what was the, the, the contradiction of what people expected and what people saw? And with all of that, Jim Bob describes it as a debacle. If you could have been there, we were there with the fans. They only lost by one point, right? So, yeah. so it wasn't yeah. like it was a real debacle. Well, from the, from 20, the, 21 of 39, uh, he was off target 20, 22%, and they had 19% of his were dropped. And so that that right there, 21 of 39 performance from Mahomes and the receivers, that was pretty bad. But regardless of, of the score, do you think what it meant, like the, the significance of it, was what people felt was big? I think just the loss is, is what the outcome is, is what you play the game for, right? I think Kansas City has become so accustomed to winning that a team like Detroit coming into Arrowhead Stadium should not go come out of there with the W. But you look closer into the numbers and you take all those things, and, and you know, Patrick Mahomes' numbers were terrible yeah, in the terrible. second half. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a, a career low for him. But look at the drops. Look at the problems. And all those things are, are correctable. So – to lose a game by one point, you have your defense hold the, uh, their opponent's offense to 14 points. You know, that's darn good stuff, especially when Chris Jones isn't in the mix. So there's a lot of good things to look at statistically uh, for them in the future going forward. I think your question mark is, you know, each one of those receivers, they have seven. It's the first time Andy Reid has kept seven receivers ever, but there's seven of them. And each of them have a unique talent. They're all different in different ways, right? So Andy's mind... He can conjure up all these different ways to emphasize their, you know, asset to, to the position. But here's the problem. I mean, what we're talking about with all these young guys is potential. We're talking about potential. We see it, but we're talking about potential. Can they reach that potential on the field at game time? And for them, that's their biggest challenge of those seven receivers. It's they've got to step up and become dependable receivers. I feel like the Chiefs can shake it off and they understand what it means. It's one game, even if the fan base is is up in arms and they realize they didn't play as well as they could for the Lions. And this is a team and, of course, the coaching staff and just there's just so much anticipation. I think a lot of hope for that fan base, for those players, for that team. Talk about the significance of a game like this as one of those sort of statement games to say, like, we are here. We can compete. We're a different Lions team. That comment on that, then, plus the fact that Dane talks about shaking it off. Well, they're getting ready to go play the Jacksonville Jaguars. So shaking it off for the Chiefs is another another thing. But what do you think that meant for the Lions going forward? I think that whole culture of Dan Campbell's presenting there is something special. He's a player's coach. Yeah, so anytime a coach comes in, you know, to a losing team and has to try to change the culture, your biggest hurdle is winning over the locker room and getting them to buy in. Right. And you've seen the difference it makes with the Deion Sanders going to Colorado. Well, Dan Campbell came into a fledgling for years, fledgling Detroit Lions team and was selling something that he needed these guys to buy into. And he kept on ramming it down their throat and drilling it down their throat and practicing it and preaching it every single day until they started buying in. And it wasn't so about halfway through the season last year that they started seeing some success and the second part of their season was really good. So there was a good carryover and with a win against the chiefs at Arrowhead and staying composed when things could have gone bad for them a number of times, but they stayed composed. You could tell they bought in to just keep working. Don't worry about the fans. Don't worry about the whistle. Don't worry about how much time's on the clock. Just keep working. And they come out of there with the win and that paid off. So I, I think for them, it's propelled them that they, they believe in themselves. Now, do they have enough talent, you know, to continue to win? They've got a lot of workers and they yeah. work hard. But yeah. do they have enough talent on offense and defense to win at a consistent basis? 
I agree with that. I think that's the that's the big deal is that, you know, Kansas City, when you look at them and you look at who they've got at quarterback and you look at, at Kelsey and, and uh, you look at defensively. By the way, you know, speaking of talent, Kansas City's laden with it. I don't think Detroit has enough talent to do exactly what I don't think they've – I think they got enough talent to win nine games this year. Now, can they win that tenth game and get into the playoffs and be a, a contender? We'll see. I mean, but they got a lot of workers. But moving to Jones's contract, that he just signed and I, I'm curious you know Bosa gets 34 million bucks alright a year yeah. and Jones yeah. gets 20 plus incentives what do you think about the contrast between those two contracts and and by the way we probably wouldn't even be friends if you were playing today and getting 20 some million you'd be such a such a big snob and you would <laughs> I mean you know you, you'd be like hey listen I don't mess around with people I'm making 20 some million a year but what about these contracts talk about Bosa talk about Jones' contract talk about the contract because I thought Jones should have got more dough personally, but I want to hear what your thoughts are. Well, it, actually, there there wasn't any dough. It, it just it was an agreement for both sides to come back. That's it. It's it's the same one year deal, and they gave him a couple of easy incentives to make make back to cover his fine money from from training camp and the first game. So he, in essence, there was it was it was a holdout for nothing. And at the end of the day, what, what I see is he would have been better off hiring Lamar Jackson as his agent <laughs> than the guys he had. Well, no doubt Lamar scored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's Lamar's next career. Okay. Be like Jay-Z. Like, it's like a side gig. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing doesn't make sense. Now, here's, here's the Chiefs won that deal, hands down. I mean, that's a huge win for them because, you know, now – if, he, if Chris wants his third big payday with guaranteed money, he's going to have to get into the free agent market, and that comes next year. So that forces him now to come in and play and perform, yeah. which a couple of those incentives are performance-based. You know, how much of the time he plays, 35% of the time, 50% of the time. How many sacks does he get? 10 sacks, 15 sacks, different numbers. So he's in a position where he thought he could – get a lot of guaranteed money and come back and have an extension, but now he's got to come back. And now he really has to perform to yeah. get those numbers and to get to where he wants to be as a free agent. I hear you on that. And I'm curious, I want to go back to Bosa because one of my questions for you today was you played and you played at a high level. I mean, when you're all pro and you're all pro at his nose tackle, yeah. and you also have, I mean, I still think that you're tied with, with our buddy Mike Bell on or the sacks, uh, you know, for uh, yeah. Lyman there with, 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 for in a season for 40. But who is, who's the players that, you know, that played in your position and, and on that defensive line that you admire today? Who do you really think is a standout? That plays the positions now yes. uh, in the league. Yeah. I mean, you know, Quentin Williams. I mean, oh you know, God, he's a stud. And 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 Chris Jones too. I mean, when you're that big and powerful and that quick and explosive and athletic and agile, I mean, those those things. That's a freak, right? I mean, they're just you're normally either one or the other. You're either big and brawn or or you're sleek and athletic. And those guys are are all of it. They're the whole combination. I mean, they, they can beat you so quick. I see Chris Jones beat double teams all the time, and it, it's just amazing how fast he is and how easy he makes it look, splitting the two, using his hands and, and his shoulder to separate two guys and and not break stride, mm-hmm. moving towards the quarterback. I mean, it, it, so there's some guys in the league that do these things now. That J.J. Watt was like that for a long time, you know? I mean, he, he made it look easy to be that explosive, be that strong and powerful, and be that athletic. Yeah, and then what about, like, moving out to the, I mean, these characters playing these defensive ends positions today, and I think, I think I've watched Bozo a lot. I like the way he plays. He runs, his motor is always running. Yeah. I always look to see on that defensive end side whose motor's running. I mean, Bosa's at the top. I think Bosa and McCaffrey are two of the best football players in the NFL. Yeah, their energy. Yeah, and they're on the same team, you know, so yeah. I, I, I like San Francisco this year and we're going to get into to the games here in a second but who who do you think on those defensive end positions uh you know really got that motor running i mean we talk about chris jones and i think quentin williams is just a absolute stud but uh who do you admire and see today 
Yeah, so you know, you gotta you, you, when you talk about those guys that are rushers, you got to talk about Watt up in Pittsburgh too. I mean, he, he was he was amazing, and his and his counterpart uh, Cam Hayward, who just got hurt by the way with a groin injury, he's got surgery today. But this guy's been doing it for like 13 years, right? All pro at all levels and just beating everybody. And there's there's guys that are, that are so explosive in the league right now that can you know bring different dimensions. Of, of their game that uh, it, it, the, that's, that's what makes that a premium because the game is a passing game and you've got to get to the quarterback and on the other side of the ball, you've got to have some tackles that can protect and If you can get those things together, you're, you're going to be okay. So, Bill, after the Big Bears loss, the Bears are starting to question just about everything about everything that oh, you man, do. Come on. We, we've talked about the you know the Chiefs and the system, and I think and anybody can you know get lucky on some amazing athletes that individually can do things. But when you look at, what, at whether it's a system or whether it's scouts, and you look at you know the Bears just missing on on everything, and you look at the Chiefs doing so many different things that are even the Packers look at on you know as a system whether it's the scouting or or the system itself. You know they seem to be consistently better and more sound. What are the Bears doing let, let wrong? Me, let me all just the make time? it easy. Why are the Bears sucking? Okay, <laughs> for like ever. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. what, what in their organization? Because I'll tell you what. I watched that game. I thought Jordan Love. I, I wasn't impressed with anybody in the first half, and then the adjustments in halftime. The Packers looked great second half, but Dave's right. What is the common denominator here with the Bears to me look like they're worse than last year and they're going to go to Tampa Bay this weekend and Tampa Bay blitzes more than anybody in the NFL. I think they're the second most blitzing uh, defensive team. I'll be surprised if Justin Fields doesn't get hurt in that game to be honest but what are the Bears doing wrong? They're not changing what? Uh, Ownership? (laughs) I mean (laughs) uh, that's a great question. I mean because you know they, they, they really keep tripping over themselves and I, I think when that happens, you, you really do have to, to look at, at the top because that's where it all starts. I mean, who's, who's making those decisions uh, in, in the general manager? Uh, who's bringing in the head coach? I mean, they, they seem to change all the time, right? Um, and then if you bring in a head coach, you know, uh, what's, who, who's around him that they know that they can hire? And you have to look at that. Like, who, who are they hiring? Okay. I mean, you know, all due respect to all those guys that are on the Bears staff. I mean, well, let's go through it. I mean, uh, Luke yeah. Getzey, right? Uh, you know, and Matt. You know, Matt was, you know, he was with the Indianapolis Colts for a long time as a defensive coordinator. Uh, okay. Well, are, are you are you overseeing the defense? Your, your defense isn't looking real good right now. Um, with Luke Getzey, uh, you know what? What offense? Uh, what's what's your history in offense? In what you're doing and how you you want to build and structure your offensive team around Justin Fields, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, think about if Justin Fields was anywhere else, right? Look, when you go high as a quarterback to a team that loses, there's a reason they're a losing team. And the quarterback isn't the guy that's just going to bail you out. You need someone to to be able to develop a quarterback and a system around him him to be successful. What his strengths are, what his weaknesses are, and how to get the most out of them, right? And for for Chicago, it, it just seems like they're running plays and there's not a real system in to benefit any of those guys that they have. Whether it be Justin Fields or you're talking about uh, Claypool or DJ Moore or you know or, or Cole Met, uh, these guys, how can you get the most out? Of them? What are you doing to get the most out? Of uh, your running game, you know, is Herbert your guy? Is Khalil Herbert your guy? Is that I mean, what 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 things can you do to to get him going? Is your, who, what about your offensive line? I mean, it just doesn't seem like the, there's a system in place for them to succeed 
with the with the skilled positions that they have. It seems discombobulated. It really does. It seems like I agree. Is that I was going to ask you strategies and 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 the things of that. How, you know how how these uh, teams that are winning, what are they putting forth? And it just seems like everything that you're saying just resonates with me. I don't see any continuity and what there's trying, no cohesive co- plan nothing. it's like putting out fires yeah, it's yeah. like just running plays yeah and i don't want to be right. so that critical but man after that performance and then this tampa bay game i mean hey you're not going against one of the top uh, quarterbacks in the league in baker mayfield but all baker mayfield has done is surprise people i mean he right. surprised everybody except the cop that ran him down when he was at ou <laughs> that cop goes oh don't even try that dude i'm gonna catch you i mean which, that cop people don't realize that but he was like a 60 yard sprint champion for ou one year so that was, that's not fair <laughs> that's not fair to criticize baker getting caught by the police officer but but really um they go into they go to tampa and they don't play well there, and they get dis they, they get dismantled by by Tampa. Man, but boy, I tell you what, it's, it could be. Yeah, yeah, it would be. It could be. It could be get really, really become an, an ugly situation and a long, long season if they they go down there and can't pull one out. Hey, switching to uh, switching gears, going back to the Chiefs. The Chiefs going to Jacksonville. So Jacksonville, you know, thought they were going to knock them out last year in the playoffs um and they thought that uh you know trevor was going to be the guy and and the jaguars looked pretty good in in week one in my opinion i watched part of that game uh lawrence looked pretty good uh i know by the way you talk about mahomes having a a a bad second half but nobody had his worst day as joe burrows (laughs) just wanted to throw that in there but but, uh what do you think of trevor lawrence and what do you think about the chiefs going there and and uh the chiefs are are minus three and do you think they're going to bounce back and because i think that's going to be a tough game yeah it is going to be a tough game I, you know i i kind of do like the chiefs you know the chiefs got them pretty good last year and you know trevor lawrence is a guy who just seems to have it all you know i could put him up there in the mental aspect of joe burrow on on how he takes it all in you know he's he does everything's the same right it's not his emotions don't get the better of him one way or the other he's just He's just methodical. He's a worker. He's a thinker. He progresses. Obviously, you know, he, Doug Peterson did wonders for him coming down there and helping him out after Myers kind of, that was the mess, right? I said, you go to losing the organization. There's a reason you're losing and you draft the quarterback high and, you know, things aren't good. Well, he fell into that, I think, his first year. But now with Peterson, uh, things are, things are on track. You, you can see his play getting better and better. And I don't think he's surrounded with, you know, the greatest of weapons, but I think that he has a system and he, he knows how to make things work and he knows how to use those guys and get them in positions to be effective. And their defense is pretty good, right? So as long as you have those two, those things in place, you know, you're always going to have a chance. And so, yeah, they're at home, but I, I think he has a little bit, too much horsepower for them um, on the offensive side of the ball to keep up. Now, I think it's going to be a close game just because it's down in Jacksonville. But I expect something like, you know, 30-27 or something mm-hmm. like that. And then, you know, we talked about the Lions and uh, that, that Chiefs game. And, and so Seahawks come to Detroit this week. And, yeah. And the Lions are favored in that game by five and a half. And Seahawks played horrible against the Rams. Geno yep. Smith didn't play very good. What do you think is going to happen in, in that game? And do you think that Pete Carroll's going to be able to make the adjustments for – because Seattle was a playoff team, you know, and, and yep. they looked dismal against the Rams. Your thoughts on that game? Yeah, so, you know, Seattle looked bad last week. And Seattle, I think they fell into one of those groups, I would say, that this is like their training camp, right? Because they didn't play anybody most of the preseason. And that was the first live bullets, real speed kind of thing. Look, when you've got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I mean, oh, things are going to happen. Yeah. Now, Detroit won last week, but I can tell you, that their defensive secondary has some issues, right? The safety position at the corner position, they you've seen, we talked about the drop passes. Those guys were open. They were. When they dropped those passes. Yeah, okay? great point, and, great point. And so, you know, you know, when you talk about those two weapons they have with Seattle, I, I think 
unless they make some big time corrections up there in Detroit, I, I, I think that at the end of the day, Seattle's going to bounce back here. I agree with you. I think Seattle's the call, and I think five and a half to me. I'm like going. First of all, I'm going to bet it. I'm going to take Seattle, and and if I lose, I'm going to go. Well, okay, then they knows. I've been the pontificator for for the Lions for a year now, talking about that they're going to get better. But man, I don't know. Five and a half seems like a pretty big jump. I mean, if that would have been three or something like that, one and a half, I would go. That's more reasonable. But I'm taking Seattle in that one. And then, hey, jumping to the Washington versus the Broncos. And said, so the Broncos come out, played a pretty good game, lost. Russell Wilson played reasonably well, you know, threw a couple touchdowns, didn't have the same type of turnovers that he had last year. I'm not, I can tell you this. I know Sean Payton despises Russell Wilson. I mean, can't stand that he's got his own office up there with the coaches. And I know he changed a bunch of that crap, but is Sean Payton going to turn Russell Wilson around? Is Russell Wilson going to be who everybody thought he was going to be when he came to the Broncos. And then, you know, can the Broncos win against the Commanders? Your thoughts on this game and on Peyton and, and Russell Wilson? Yeah, so you know, it's interesting. You know, Peyton, Sean, I, I got a lot of respect for him. You know, I know we went to the same high school together back in Philadelphia. I, I've seen his progression as he's come up through the league back when he was a quarterback's coach for the Giants under Jim Fossil and how he's progressed through his course and how he's been able to understand the league and how it goes up and down to the, to the point of even suspensions and staying out, right? He's, he's seen it all at every angle. And so something's going to give there. And, and up until, I mean, it was a close game. I mean, Denver looked so much better offensively last week than they did all of last season. So when they played the Raiders, they look professional. So, they look like a professional team yep. that was di- disciplined and, and yep. unlike. Yep. And I didn't agree yep. with Sean Payton attacking Packers, yep. but they but they looked so much better as a as a team. Yep. And talk about cohesiveness. I thought that that game was close. I didn't think that they should have lost that game, but they did. But no. so they look better. And I love Sean personally. We spent a lot of time with him last year. I I took his Super Bowl tickets and I used his Super Bowl tickets to go to Super Bowl. <laughs> so we're kind of buds. But uh, the fact of it is is that that team looked better. I'm still, you know, the over-under on them was uh, eight and a half, I think, on game wins. I, I don't think they can get to nine games, personally. And I want, What's your thoughts on that? You know, that's a, that's a good question. Anything can happen. You know this league is crazy. You look around the AFC. I mean, who would have thought to, to talk about getting to nine games now when, when you look at the AFC after week one uh, and the Raiders are at the top of the AFC West? Right, yeah, and that won't and, last. And <laughs> at, uh, Miami's at the top of the East. Two really strong, strong divisions there. But was going in all lost, right? I mean, you're talking about the Chiefs lost, the Bills lost, Cincinnati lost. I mean, hey, who would have predicted that week one? Nobody. So you know, to talk about getting getting where you're going to end up in the long run, a lot of things happen during the year. But I do think this, I. I get the sense and that you're, you're correct. They look like a real football team. They look disciplined. They look like people were tuned in and dialed in and they understood their assignment and what they're supposed to do and why they're supposed to do it. And I think that, I think the why you're supposed to do it is really important for professional players. I went through some coaches early on in my career that they call the play, you line up and ran the play, but you didn't understand why. When Marty Schrottenheimer got there, every single one of us, new on every single play, offensively, defensively, special teams, what we're doing and why we're doing it and how it affects everybody else. And so I, I, I think that Denver is bought in to him and, you know, whether he does or doesn't like his quarterback, I think the big thing is how can you make it work? And I think Sean has got that point across. Yeah, I, I do. I think Sean's, he's going to turn him around. I, I think he's going to put a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson until either Russell bends or he says, heck with it, I'm out of here. And I think that Sean would prefer that uh, he bends and they work it out, but he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. You know, how about the pack uh, going to Atlanta? You know, we had a pretty good game last week out of Jordan Love, and there's a lot of memes out there with Jordan Love 
love getting handed the seat, the key to the city of Chicago again. <laughs> oh, the new the, owner, oh, <laughs> new owner of the Bears, is that I thought the I think the Green Bay defense played pretty tough, and they had uh, you know they had four sacks uh, in that game and so forth. But talk about Atlanta. And, um, you know, the quarterback there, Desmond yep. Ritter, who I'm, yep. I, I kind of like the kid, but I'll tell you who I really like because I like that uh, B. John Robinson, the running back. I watched him in college. He was great. But the Packers, hey, the key for the Packers is give the ball to Aaron Jones yeah, more. No question. And, and Aaron Jones, I guess, has got a hamstring uh, injury coming out of that game with the Bears. So that's kind of an iffy deal. If he's not healthy going into that Atlanta game, I don't know how confident that I feel uh, in a replacement for Aaron Jones. We'll just see how this hamstring turns out. What's your thoughts on the game? Yeah, so you're right about that. There's no question. Atlanta's kind of interesting. You know, you look at that team from afar and you're thinking, okay, Desmond Ritter, okay, what are you going to do with Desmond Ritter? He's a a RPO kind of guy and you've got to tailor stuff around him to make it work. Obviously, Cordell Patterson is a, a huge factor in this. He can turn a game as can Dion Robinson. So they have a really good offensive line too, by the way. So Atlanta can be tough and they're going to be at home. So Green Bay coming on the road and yeah, they're going to, Jordan Love looked great last week. Every, everybody was happy. Stenovich, LaFleur, you know, those guys look good. Uh, Jordan Love looked good. I mean, the best I've seen Jordan Love look, to be honest with you, and it's time that I've seen him play. He has a good understanding of what Matt wants to get done and, and how to do it. I thought that some of the young receivers stepped up. Maybe we were under a lot of criticism last year. But I thought, you know, Watson Dowles, uh, Jaden Reed, I think and these guys, that's a big part of it. But, you know, if they, you're right. If things are a lot easier if you can run the football with Aaron Jones and do a little play-action pass. He's going to be all right. Who's going to carry that load? You know, that's going to be a big question down there. Yeah, I agree. Well, well I, I just had a question because we've talked a lot about dysfunction, inefficiency, all that stuff. We talked about you know building a system, creating a culture, creating buy-in. Yeah, the buy-in, whether it's the players or whether it's the fans, is is the Jets. All of this time and drama and dollars and everything, and then to have to yeah. scrap it. Yeah. And how do you do, like pivot and still maintain buy-in, or is it all just out the window? So here, here yeah, that's a great question. And, and I don't think I don't think that it just hurt the New York Jets fans. I really think it took the air out of the entire NFL and everybody that views it. The league, right? buddy, you're a hundred percent right. Yeah. Because I, I, we sent we sent Aaron Rodgers a El Bandito swag pack yesterday, full of tequila and goodwill wishes and some cool shirts and hats. and And I told him, I go, hey, buddy, you know, we've done all the rehabs before. I've been there. You can do this. I'll see you at the fourth game next year in New York. And that's where I'm predicting he'll show back up next year in the 24th season, fourth game of the season. We're going to see Aaron Rodgers step back on the field. Those are my thoughts. What's your thoughts on that deal? Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's got to go down in that dark room again with some mushrooms. You got to figure this out, right? <laughs> I mean, when did that? When did that become the thing, too, man? Is that so? What got my the weird part about me is that I I, I met Aaron. I like Aaron and so forth. And but uh, you know we're sweet holders up there in Green Bay and everything. And and uh, El Bandito we inundate the Green Bay up there. But he, you know. I was glad that he was getting out of there because the mushroom deal in the dark rooms, first of all, I would get claustrophobic. <laughs> I mean, but when did, I mean, I don't remember you. I know the only thing we did, like you said, we practiced and we went to the bar. <laughs> we had a game. It was a dark bar. There was a darker bar. That's it. The bar wasn't well lit. I mean, come on. We'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, I just can't imagine taking mushrooms and sitting in a dark room. I, mean, I, I want to go laugh, right? Yeah, right. Well, so, Bill, so he's got his own personal journey. Whether he continues with the career, whether he gives it up, yeah, the, the rehab is going to be is going to be tough personally. But he left the entire you know city, the fan base, New York. You mentioned it. We've thought it. The entire NFL, right? Everyone. This was going to be yeah. a major storyline. What do they do? Do they guy? They said, "Oh, we'll go get Tom Brady." Do they try to patchwork something together, or do they just say like, "Well, that's the way it goes"? Well, and also they got the Cowboys this week. Okay, at the Cowboys. Yeah. Now, here's the deal. If they go, here's what's going to be really great. All of your questions, 
in, but if they go to the Cowboys, hypothetically win, the place is going to go nuts. <laughs> well, so are they able to harness a little bit of that Cinderella story type persona? What what do they do? Because I'm sure after that game and once they got the MRIs and whatever, they're like, geez, what do we do? Right. I'm sure. So my, my understanding is as of today, you know, they're going with uh, who they got. They got Boyle, who knows the system from, from Hackett. They've got Wilson, obviously. But they're going to wait, and then they've got to add somebody, a third practice squad or something, because you need you need somebody, right? Who would you go average. get out there in the free agent? You got? I honestly, I'd, I'd go get Joe Flacco. You, he's functional. Him or, over or, or Chad, him over Foles or, or Matt Ryan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I don't. know, Maybe Chad Henney too might be a fit up there for them. But yeah, uh, I, I think you need to be have somebody that's been in the system or knows the system or some version of the system so it's an easy easier transition i hear you but Um, if hackett wants to if hackett wants to resurrect his coaching career or they brought him up there but you know his his time at denver was horrible so you know he's got whoever they bring in whether it's zach wilson or they bring in tom brady he's got to go to work to make that system work for that player, whether it's Zach or whether it's Joe Flacco or Nick Foles yeah. or Matt Ryan. So I put more pressure on Hackett here in the fact that not so much the quarterback. Hackett better come up with an offense that fits that those players. That's that's so that's on him as far as I'm concerned. I'm, I'm not going to blame Zach Wilson. I mean, I'm not going to blame whoever else is there. I'm going to blame Hackett. He's the guy I think all this comes down to, It's which is an interesting take on it. Yeah, and you know, just to be honest with you, I, I don't, I don't think that's going to be successful. To be honest with you, yeah. Um, so, so they've they've got to collectively, as an organization, decide what they're going to do here and how how they're going to go about it. I think just putting it all on him to fix everything isn't really the answer. I, I think they've got to be smart and decisive about which direction they're going and why they're doing it. And I think that's why you haven't seen anybody signed real quickly yet i I think they are taking their time to to see what's what's out there and what's the best fit and how we can make it work i think they're talking to a lot of people i think they're talking uh, searching for a lot of advice in their inner circle at inner circle i look at that offensive line i thought they played like horse crap uh too i didn't think the offensive line for the jets was very good from the snap one and personally and so I think that that's a big issue. They got the Cowboys. Cowboys are rated to to beat them by nine. I, I got to tell you, I'm kind of leaning towards Cowboys at nine. <laughs> that's a, you know, it's a lot of points. It is, but you know, Cowboys will come back down to earth a little bit uh, after week one. Their defense, uh, Billy, that defense, it looked good. like a, it looked like it, it yeah. looked like some of our old bar fights. <laughs> they're good. No, they're damn good. Oh man, it looked like honestly, it looked like muggings. <laughs> the the Cowboys are muggers now. I mean, they, I mean, they just, I mean, it looked like a fist fight out there, a bar brawl. I, I thought that the Cowboys defense looked really, really good. That that front man they got after it no you're you're right i mean they look doggone good and you know that offensive line is going to have its work cut out and i, I think when you, your offensive line has its work cut out the best thing you do is you know you go forward you lean you, you don't you take a step forward you don't take a step backwards meaning you run the football those big heifers they want to go forward they don't want to drop back and pass the block yeah. you know, put the game on, put the game on their shoulders put the game on dalvin cook and Brees hall right uh, pound the rock, play action pass to your guys, make some plays, keep it tight, and play conservative and, and, and battle it out. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's really, you know, the, the options they have down there going down there. I think but it's funny. Do you see the, the thing out there, uh, I, it was on social media, about the person that's all behind this whole thing is Bill Belichick, that the Patriots traded down in the 2023 NFL draft with the Steelers to block the Jets from getting offensive tackle Broderick Jones. Jets offensive tackle Dwayne Brown, who's playing because of that, missed the block on the play that ended Aaron Rodgers' season. <laughs> no way. Well, I who's miss, I who's playing that. chess and who's playing hey. checkers? Hey, yeah. hey, I took, by the way, so we were doing our picks, so so I had to do my two lock picks, and I go, well, listen, first of all, Philly uh, and the and the Patriots, I go, Bill Belichick just broke up with his longtime girlfriend, Linda Holloway. And I go, Holiday, I go, there's no way Bill can be that. He can't compartmentalize 
compartmentalize it that much. He's got to be thinking, tonight after the game, I mean, who's going to go with me? And so I go, I'm locking in on Philly at minus four. And, and I go, and I'm taking, for some reason, I love the Cowboys this year. And I go, they're going to they're gonna smoke the Giants, which I didn't think it would be 40 to nothing. I thought it might be 30 to three. But they, and so those were my picks. But And I said, Cowboys, is this is their year. They're going to go they go all the way to the NFC, and then they're going to get trounced in the NFC Championship by whoever, okay? It could be a Girl Scout team, but whoever they're playing in the championship, they're going to lose. But the, the fact of it is, is that I thought that Belichick was, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But the nine points... Cowboys. I got to tell you, we got to take the Cowboys in nine. And I tell you what, they sacked Daniel Jones seven times last week in, in, in uh, New York. I think Zach Wilson gets sacked maybe double digits. <laughs> Somebody's going to yeah. make an all pro career this weekend from the Cowboys. <laughs> it might happen. Um, that, it'll be fun to watch, actually. But I, nine points is a lot of points in the league. Hey, regardless, so- I mean, they, they still got to. Hey, you know, they just got a defense now. Let's not forget about that. I know they're struggling offensively. They got a defense. Yeah. Hey, no points on them is going to be tough too. Tell you what, you talked about the East uh, there in the AFC is that the Dolphins at New England, I mean, we've got uh, the the Dolphins are favored by uh, two and a half points. And, um, you know, the, the Pats played a pretty tight game against Philly as we discussed, but I thought Philly was a little sloppy in the game, but, uh, you know, with the Dolphins and uh, Tyreek and uh, Jalen Waddell, what do you think? Can can the Miami, will they beat the Patriots uh, minus two and a half? Yeah, so here's the deal. Like, I mean, what you saw with the Miami Dolphins and Tua and Tyreek last week, I mean, that's that's the product of what happens when you kind of play your base defense and man up and take the receivers away and try try to do that. That's the outcome you're going to get when you when you face them. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick knows how to slow any offense down. I don't care who it is. Maybe not keep out of the end zone, but he knows how to slow them down. And with Tua, his thing has been, like, when he has to take, if you make him pat the ball, they call it pat the ball. You know when the quarterback sits back and he's looking and looking and patting the ball before he throws it? If you make him pat the ball and look around, two things happen. One, he's going to throw a bad, bad throw. Two, he's going to hold it and get hit and get hurt. And that's been his thing over the course of the time he's played in the NFL. Bill Belichick's going to come up with a way to slow him down and, and put the game in his hands. You know, so I know as good as Miami looked, it looks so tempting to think that they can go up there. It's interesting that they got their first two games on the road, too, you know, mm-hmm. all the way up to the coast and then now up in New England. But even though it's in their division and this is a big deal for them, you know, Bill's been a mastermind uh, defensively on, on on how to put road bumps out there for, for certain players. So I, I'd expect his best effort, and I, I think it's going to be a close game. I, uh, I, Jim Bob, I, what are you saying? If he put more effort into his relationships, he may have won last week too. Well, yeah, yeah. If he if he concentrated <laughs> on his girlfriend, and, and, you know, I don't even know how he gets dressed now because I mean, I, I, what should I wear? Who's, who's going to lay out my <laughs> yeah. cut off sweatshirt? Yeah. Hey, uh, what do you think about the Saints and and Derek Carr and and, uh, and everything going on there? Number one, and then they're going against the pathetic. Carolina Panthers, in my opinion, I don't know. I mean, I'm not real interested in the game, but I still want to watch a little bit more of Bryce Young. Yeah. I mean, what's your thoughts? I mean, the Saints are are three-point favorites against Carolina. I I will tell you, I'm going to go the Saints on that one, but uh, your thought on the the Saints and and what they're doing with Carr? Yeah, so that's the thing, you know. I think the question mark's still out on him, on, on, on what you have. I'm not sure who he is yet, and that's that's yet to unfold really before our eyes. Who's who's he going to be, and and who's he going to become, and and how are they going to get there? Now, I think he's got a great coach. I, I really do. I mean, he's had it tough at the different places he's been, but you know that's that's part of it. Yeah. You know, it's part of being being a coach. You know, you don't always fall into the best positions, but I think he'll get the most out of them at some point. It's mm-hmm. just. Again, I, I would go back and, and look at this team and say, okay, well, what are you? You got Mike Sanders at running back, right? You've got, I don't know, Jonathan Mingo at one wide receiver. 
You've got DJ Clark at the other wide receiver. I mean, what what are you going to become with this team? They run two tight ends a lot too, with uh, Hurst and Thomas. And so you're, this is again they're they're trying to feel out who they are. And this is a team that you know the specialist department. You know, you, you, not a lot there really. And so you have to make the most out of it. Again, how do you do that? Well, you go back and you play methodical football again. You, you've got to play field position. You have to have great special teams. You have to run the football and play action. You've got to be really disciplined in what you do. So, and, and I think those things will help Bryce Young. I think if you just go out there and start trying to mix and match and play the, the spread offense and open things up, I don't know if that's the best position for him. I think how you get the most out of Sanders and, and, and Bryce is to run the RPOs. Uh, make it's an option game is what it is. And mm-hmm. so you put put the onus on the defense to tell you where to go and you make the most of it. Well, and they ran it in college. I mean, we talk about the, you know, people yep. ask about what's the transition like going from college to the pros. And, and I can tell you, you mentioned speed. Well, it's a speed in practice and it's a game speed. You cannot, um, you, you've said it a couple times today. The game speed in the NFL, you can't phantom it. It is like lightning. Okay. And, and, and if you're not practicing at those levels, I, I got to tell you though, the first NFL practice I went to, I was like going, Wow. I, that just was like, it was like so quick and it was just another dimension to me. I, I was, I was a little taken back about how fast the game was and so forth. But I think I'll put them on RPO. The quarterbacks coming out today, they're all running it. You know, it's, and the systems really, you know, I think the NFL is, is, is kind of came down to, to what the college teams are running today. And, and, uh, you know, you're seeing the, the NFL absorb that into their systems. Yeah, I, well, it is because, you know, it all started with the uh, 20-hour rule in college football yeah. on how much time you could spend on the field or in the classroom with with football, including weight training and meetings and physical therapy. I mean, they, they put a time limit on things. So when you put a time limit, we spent, I know you did too, Jim, When we spent an hour of practice at the beginning of practice honing your own individual skills at your position. Yep. The quarterbacks were the quarterbacks, the wide receivers were running routes, the defensive line was doing their drills, offensive line learning pass protections and how to get better, use their hands, all those things. And our first hour of practice was yep. learning how to become better at your position. Yep. Well Indies. that's gone now. Yeah, yeah, it is. They have to. They have to put in the game plan right away, and the, you you run out there on the practice field, and you're right into the game plan. Yeah. So you never really have time to work on becoming a better player at your position. You're just doing whatever plays they call. You're running the plays. Yeah. And so, and, and that's and that's how come you, we've seen this option game, this RPO game, mm-hmm. and, and and how important an athletic quarterback is in today's game. I'll tell you what, a big surprise to me was, um, you know, San Francisco crossing multiple time zones uh, coming to Pittsburgh. And we had Erlacher on the, the show last week, and Brian and I both agreed that it's tough, you know. And so we had – you had Miami going out west, and you had the 49ers coming east to play Pittsburgh. And – Golly, I thought we both agreed that that's tough on the teams, but boy, those, those guys didn't show any part of it, but Pittsburgh looked like they traveled through six time zones. Okay. <laughs> and like the game was in Japan or something, but what's going on there? I mean, they just got dismantled by, by the 49ers and they've got Cleveland coming to town this weekend. The, the beating that the Steelers took in that first game and Kenny Pickett just looked horrendous. Um, yeah. What's your thoughts about that Brown defense with Miles Garrett? It's one of the best defenses uh, that I think that's underrated. I think the, I think the Browns defense is underrated. And I think, uh, that offense last week, what did you get to watch that game? What's your thoughts on this, uh, yeah. Steelers? Well, in the Steelers last week, you're right. Couple things here on that. It certainly shows that whatever happens in the preseason doesn't mean anything. Kenny Pickett was the highest rated quarterback in all the preseason games throughout the NFL and goes into week one and it doesn't transfer, doesn't transfer over. Uh, game planning is, is completely different and he was off, there's no doubt. Yeah. And for the Pittsburgh Steelers to be the Pittsburgh Steelers, they need to do what they do in Pittsburgh Steelers football. They, they run the football. 
they play great defense, which, you know, the defense was, was good at times, but it wasn't consistent. Now with Cam Hayward out, they've really got some problems. Uh, offensively, the Steelers, their passing game is really, it's not an advanced passing game at all. It's really second tier. You know, when Juju Smith-Schuster came to the Kansas City Chiefs last year, he was amazing. It was like a whole new world for him. His eyes were open to something he'd never seen before. And, and he and he he talked about what night and day it is between, you know, the, the, the passing game where he came from for what, eight years. So I, I think there's something, I think there's something amiss there. I mean, that, that needs chewed up a little bit better. It needs coached up a little bit better. If you want to get the most out of, out of Kenny Pickett, but listen, San Francisco 49ers and I, the way they played Sunday, they were in mid season form. Best, man. best team were, in the NFL they, right now, buddy. They they were the only team I saw that offensively, defensively, and special teams looked like wow well, this weekend. And the Cowboys looked good too, even though I know you, we talked about it. that yeah. Cowboys defense looked like they were at the end of the season prepared. I mean, but I agree. I think the to me what I saw this weekend, I I thought that the San Francisco 49ers absolutely the best team in the NFL. I put the Cowboys second, and I had uh, Philly. I, I just got me to the, because it's Philly, you know. I mean, uh, on the AFC side, I was just confused. I know the Chiefs are going to be there, and I know Josh Allen isn't going to play bad, and I expect Joe Burrow's and his fifty-five million dollar contract to be able to throw for more than eighty-four yards this next week here. Yeah. But, I mean, but, you know, that nobody on the – I'm trying to think on the AFC side, I thought it was pretty impressive for for the Dolphins to go out to the Chargers because, you know, the Chargers is going to be a good team. They're going to be a very good team in the AFC. That was impressive, but I, I wasn't impressed with the AFC side, to be honest, on the opening week. Yeah, I, I think it's too early yet, obviously, with the losses to, you know, the top – three or four teams in the AFC that everybody was so high on. I think I set everybody back. But, you know, going back to this this Pittsburgh game on Monday night in Cleveland, you know, you look at Cleveland closely. I mean, take a good, close, in-depth look at that team. They are solid. They're solid. I mean, they, they really are, solid. Billy. I will tell you, I never bet against Cleveland. I, I'm going to tell you what, is that they're solid, and I'll tell you what, they, I really think that that whole defensive element at the Browns is, they don't get enough, They just because it's Cleveland. Nobody talks about it. And it's kind of like, you know, they're they're a third world country or something. <laughs> I mean, you know, no, yeah. nobody talks about Cleveland. I'm not betting against Cleveland. I'm just telling you, I'm not betting against them. I, I got to uh, switch gears to, the absolute worst game is going to be on on uh, Fox, but it's the it's the New York Giants against Arizona Cardinals, the the two lowest rated teams in the NFL power rankings. And then you know we got a El Bandito Yankees got a, a big presence out in Phoenix and Scottsdale, and so we uh, we got Jelly Roll going out there this weekend. We got tailgates for him and all kinds of stuff. We got VIP. Erlacher's going to go there and everything. But so so I had to do the radio show, and they were asking me, you know, what do we think about this Giants at, at the Arizona Cardinals game? I like the new Arizona Cardinals coach. He was the former defensive coordinator for for the Eagles. I didn't see anything about the Giants that make me feel that they should be five and a half point favorites. Your thoughts on the two worst teams playing? Yeah, okay. So, first of all, let's just talk about the Giants. You know, did I miss something where, you know, they gave Daniel Jones a big contract. I mean, what what am I missing that this guy they thought is is going to be the guy? I, I don't get it. Right? I mean, Daniel Jones to me looks like Dave Brown of the Giants. Remember him? Yeah, I do. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm just I don't get it. When you look at his facial expression when he plays the game, he looks like he's lost out there. I mean, he looks like he's just completely lost, or scared, uh, or scared. I mean, you know. I mean, could, well, yeah. sometimes that's a little bit of both. Yeah, and, and so I don't, I don't believe that you know anybody is going to in Arizona. They're saying tank for the draft pick for the first overall pick. 
I don't think that get, Jonathan Gannon. Caleb. Yeah, I don't think that Jonathan Gannon, who's a coach for Philly and tough-minded, you know, you'd play for this dude. I mean, he's a he's a gritty guy, and Philly, you know, I don't think that Gannon's going to let them tank at all for for the the draft choice at all. I think that you know I, this is a tough game. I just don't think the Giants are five and a half point favorite over anybody. And like I said, it could be a Girl Scout team. <laughs> right. You know? Right. I get it. You know. So so normally what happens when you get these things is is you know it's going to come down to either some you know weird play that happens or a special teams glitch or something like that is what's what's going to change the course of this game so look they're both in desperate need of a win you know you spend all off season Jim Bob you know this you spend all off season getting ready for the season and you know your first game you lose you feel like you got one foot in a bucket. You just you're trying to go forward. Yeah. And, and and you have to wait a whole nother week to see if you can get your foot out of that little pole you stepped in just to get it back on even ground. Right. And if you start off all in two, man, it's, it's just, it seems like that map, it becomes a mountain. It, it goes from an anthill to a mountain real quick mm-hmm. of, of trying to find ways to keep your team together keep focused and, and, and keep them on track to do what you want them to get done. So, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. Yeah, I agree. I but think it sounds like you have a fun group going out there. Oh, yeah. Well, it's going to be fun. I mean, you know, they're going to have fun. I'm still I'm still crippled up, so I'm not going to be able to. But, but it's a game that i got to watch the two worst teams play. <laughs> you know? But anyhow. But, uh, no, hey, man, I appreciate uh, you coming on and, and going through the week schedule with us and, and uh, talking about everything because it's clear that you're still very involved in the game. You know the rosters. You still study it. I mean, I, I'm impressed. I mean, you're ready to you're ready to go on and, and do a national right now, buddy. You're you're ready. Hey, you are in mid season form. Well, we're reaching a lot of places around the country now. But a big shout out to Bill in Kansas City on eight ten, the El Bandito Yankee segment. He's on every week. Yeah, now, I know he is. I mean, but but he knows the teams. I mean, you know, I, I have to. I mean, by the way, I'm watching almost literally every game. And so the other day, I've got like eight. Televisions going off in this in this place, and so why don't you just like Elvis's jungle room? <laughs> yeah, it's like exactly. Except they're they're color; they're not black and white. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, what's going on? What are you going to be doing this weekend? Uh, same thing as usual, man. I mean, I just I I'm addicted to it. I mean, it's it, it, I know it's 61 years old. You think you know sometimes you just stop, but I just hunker down and and watch Saturday all day long and. Sunday all day long and Sunday night and then wait Monday for Monday night. I mean, it's just, yeah. hey, it's just in me. So, Bill, it's been great to have you here on the show. For uh, We'll have links up at WGNRadio.com and all the stations nationwide. If people want to keep up with you, of course, they can hear you on the El Bandito Yankee segment on uh, on 810, the ESPN affiliate right there in Kansas City. And where else can people go social media-wise to keep up? Uh, I'm at Twitter at Bill Moss. I'm on there sometimes, but probably on Sundays most, but I'm not one of those guys that tweets every play, but <laughs> if I find, if I find something interesting, I'll, I'll be sure to say something about it. Hey, Hey, Dane, Dane, can you do me a favor? Sure. Can you ask your friend, can you ask your friend Jim Bob to send me an El Bandito North Face jacket, please? Done. <laughs>